Hey, what's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Arrowhead Live here, episode eight. This is Grant here with my co-host, Ori. What's going on, guys? Uh, today, we're just going to be doing a mock draft 2.0. Um, then we're going to be discussing a seven-round uh, Chiefs mock draft, talking about a couple rumors floating around the NFL. Um, and then we'll be off for a week until the draft. And then uh, once the draft concludes, then we'll be back and we'll go really in-depth on all the players that the Chiefs acquired. And um, hopefully it'll be some good ones. It'll be some good content for us to talk about. Yeah, for sure. So to start off with, we're going to go, we're going to start with the mailbag. So from Bernie, it is, he says, when will we know the dates of the preseason games? Uh, I'm not 100% sure when that, when you find, when that comes out. But for looking back in last year's, it was around August 8th that they, it was, was the Chiefs' first preseason game. So I imagine it won't be too far off from then. So um, I'm, I'm not really sure when they come out with the preseason games, to be honest. Yeah, um, I believe preseason starts the first week of August um, because, I mean, it's four weeks long. And then the uh, first game of the season starts the first week of September. So um, it'll be sometime, sometime between Thursday and Saturday um, for for preseason um, each, of, each week of August. So not exactly sure on that. Um, and then on to the question from Stefan. Uh, would the Chiefs' second-round pick be enough to trade into the teens if a player that they love falls? Um, yeah, I think I think if the Chiefs traded a first-round pick and a second or pick twenty-nine and a second-round pick um, to move up, you know, to you know fifteen to fifteen to nineteen, I think I think a team would bite on that, and I think the Chiefs would go up and most likely grab an edge rusher. Um, a guy like Brian Burns or Cleland Farrell or uh, maybe Montez Sweat if he falls there. Um, possibly they trade up for a cornerback as well, but I think that's a little less likely. I think a couple guys, one or two guys, will fall to the Chiefs that they like. I think that it's definitely a like it's possible for them to do it. Um, I don't see them doing it, but yeah, I mean, I think that we're gonna go cornerback number one. So I think that. Um, I think that there's there's going to be guys that that fall that that fit what we want to do. So I don't think we're going to need to trade up to the end of the teams for in this draft. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, moving on to the question from Cody: uh, Will the Chiefs draft a cornerback in the first, and do you think they'll draft a wide receiver in the second? Um, yeah, I do think the Chiefs will draft a corner in the first. I think one of DeAndre Baker or Byron Murphy will fall to the Chiefs at pick twenty nine. Um, possible that they trade back and, you know, pick up an extra pick or two. Um, but I think if Murphy or Baker's there, I think they'll take them. Um, and then as for wide receiver, I do think the Chiefs will draft a wide receiver in the second or third round. Uh, definitely on day two. I don't, I'm not sure if it'll be the second, but if it's not the second, it'll, I think it'll be the third, my personal opinion. Okay. So then my opinion is, yeah, I think that. If Baker's there, Baker and Murphy are there, you take them at at, at 29. And as far as wide receivers in the second go, I don't think we'll take one in the second, but I think we'll take one in the third. That would be my my opinion on it. Agreed. Um, and then Jay Parr says, do you remember looking back 
um, when the Chiefs schedule came out and searching for wins, and now we're searching for losses. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, it was back in the day there, you know, pre-2013. It was good time. Matt Castle, Tyler Palco, Ricky Stanzi, Alex Tanney. Uh, who am I missing? Brody Croyle. Croyle. Yeah, yeah, who else? Oh, uh, uh, what's his name? The Notre Dame kid. Oh, um, that Brady the, Quinn? Yeah, Brady Quinn. He started yeah. a few games back there. So, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a good time. You know, we wasted away with Jamal Charles there. So, yeah, I awesome. I definitely remember it too. Going looking at the schedule come out, and me and my dad would look at it and kind of go, "Oh, we could maybe squeak out a win in one of these ones." Who like we were looking for upsets basically, and you, ne- yeah. you never when you're looking for ups- upsets for your own team, it's never a good good yeah. thing. Yeah. But, so uh, um, yeah, I, I, it's definitely nice looking at the schedule and being like, we have the ability to be any team that we we face which is awesome yeah it's really nice um yeah and actually whenever we tweeted that out uh predicting the wins and losses i actually kind of i found it hard to pick four losses to be honest i mean none of them none of them seemed like sure you know i mean the chiefs are going to compete every week so um and then moving on to the question from bert uh why did the chiefs uh Oh, why did the Chiefs? Uh, why are the Chiefs playing in New England back to back? Honestly, I don't know the answer to that. I saw a tweet um, a couple weeks ago uh, saying that it had something to do with them losing to the Patriots in the regular season. Um, I know it's on a cycle, uh, so I'm not exactly sure. I don't know the validity to to if the chiefs losing in the regular season to the Patriots had anything to do with it. But, um, I mean, it is what it is. I think hopefully the, hopefully new England will be an arrowhead the next couple times. So. Yeah. And I always know it seems, it, it always seems like we have to play them at their stadium, but I, I think it is, there's a system to it. I don't think it's random. I, I think that they take into account like the divisions and then like the amount of time, you know, like Probably in the past when we weren't even when it wasn't even worth it, they'd probably came to Arrowhead and it didn't really matter. But and we just don't think we don't even think about that. But now that you know they're kind of like one of our biggest threats, it's definitely like we notice it more. Yeah, well, I, I went back and looked at it, and the Chiefs have actually played in Foxborough four of the last five times that they faced the Patriots in the regular season. So, hmm. and it was two. In Foxborough, they came back to Kansas City for one game, and then they were two in Foxborough. Now they're also two games in Foxborough. So I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I know the schedule is on a cycle and with the divisions and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, who who knows? And then uh, for Bert also asked, would a trade for Frank Clark also uh, drastically impact the defense? I don't know if Frank Clark would drastically impact the defense um in terms of defense there's not very many players that drastically make a drastic impact um in the league there's only a handful of those guys um i think frank clark would certainly help and if we acquired a player like byron murphy or deandre baker in the first round i think having a good pass rush will really help them in their development they it'll it'll take a lot a lot of pressure off of the defensive backfield if you have a pass rush that can 
force the QB to to move around and you know buy some time and vice versa. So if you have a good defensive backfield that can uh, stick with guys, which Byron Murphy and DeAndre Baker would really really help with, um, it'll allow the defensive end or the edge rushers to uh, get to the quarterback a little bit easier. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't I don't think that. I would say he would drastically imp- impact our defense. Um, he definitely is an uh, absolutely an upgrade and would bring some, you know, like a veteran leadership type role. He's not not that he's super old, but he he's got he has some experience. I think that um, that a lot of the young guys can learn from him as well. And uh, he definitely would make an impact. But I don't know if it'd be where you'd be like, oh, they're so much better because they have Frank Clark. But he would definitely help. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, people are like wondering if we can trade for Frank Clark and you know still re-sign Chris Jones specifically, and then maybe Tyree Kill, depending on how the whole situation plays out. Um, and I've actually run the numbers a little bit. You know, um, I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to be back on on his current salary. Um, I think he makes twenty one million dollars next year, and the Chiefs can save like fourteen or fifteen million by releasing him. Um, or terminating that deal and giving him a new one. And I think, honestly, the, the deal is structured for the Chiefs to... It's basically like a third-year option for Sammy Watkins. So um, if the Chiefs move on from him one way or another, whether they give him a, a new contract and you know turn that base salary into a signing bonus for a new contract or, or straight-up release him, that's going to free up some space um, for 2020 and then beyond for you know, to, to keep a guy like Frank, to have a guy like Frank Clark on your roster until you have to pay Mahomes. So uh, it would, you'd structure the, the guaranteed money in a way that allows you to move on from Frank Clark when, when you need to pay Mahomes. So that's kind of how that's playing out. And I, we've discussed this on Twitter a little bit, and people still don't really seem to understand the concept of that, but it's whatever. Um, and then to the question from Henry, if the Chiefs traded out of the first round, do you think they could pick up an additional first round pick in 2020? Um, I think it's highly unlikely. The Chiefs would have to trade really, really far back in order to pick up an additional first round pick. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen either. I, 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 it's possible that they could, but I, I just don't. I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, really, the only way I could see that happening is if the Chiefs trade back. So, say, like, into the mid, to a team in the mid-second round. So, I don't even know exactly who has picks in the second round and who doesn't. But, um, just for example, say the Green Bay Packers. Uh, If the Chiefs traded back with the Green Bay Packers for their second-round pick in a 2021st, the Chiefs would probably have to give up a second-round pick or a third round pick to do that. So um, I don't really think that's going to happen, but I mean, who knows? We've seen some crazy stuff. So <laughs> for sure, uh, moving on really quickly before we, before we hop into our mock draft, our uh, full first round mock draft. Um, let's go over this, this chief seven round mock draft real quick. So Ori, why don't you uh, talk about the first pick? So the first for the seven round, we got uh, 
Byron Murphy uh, out of Washington, the cornerback out of Washington. Um, I think that's a pretty standard idea of uh, who, you know, would be, you know, a definite possible candidate for the Chiefs. I mean, everybody's been talking about him, him or maybe Baker, but I think, I don't think Baker's going to drop that far. So I think, but I think Murphy is, that could definitely possibly, could fall that far. So I think Murphy would be a good choice. Yeah, um, I agree on Murphy. I think he's a I think he's a really nice fit for the Chiefs. Um, Spagnuolo likes to run a lot of zone, and Murph, that's that's Murphy's strength. Um, and he was a little he was less than impressive um, with his testing, so I think he's gonna fall a little bit, probably to the Chiefs or maybe to the Raiders. It really just depends. Um, but I think he'll be in that you know, that 25 to 32 range. And I think, I think Baker will go a little bit higher. So uh, the Chiefs take Murphy there. And then in this, with the pick 29 in the second round, I have the Chiefs trading that pick to Seattle for Frank Clark. Um, I think it'll take, I think it'll take pick 29 and a 2025. So, I mean, just keep that in mind. And then obviously you have to give him a contract. Yeah, so then you have so you have change for Frank Frank Clark. You're basically just you know you're getting a solid guy. You you know what you're getting. You're gonna you know you get to give up that second round pick for, at 29, but then you do have the pick at 31 right after. So it's not the worst thing ever, but um, yeah, so it's kind of depends on how you look at it. Um, then we go to the, to pick 31, and you have wide receiver JJ. Arcega, I think, is that how you pronounce it? Ar- yeah, Arcega. Arcega, Whiteside, and uh, from Stanford. Um, we were just talking about earlier that uh, if we were going to pick one and uh, pick a wide receiver in the second, it's pretty close to the third. Um, yeah, it, so it's definitely plausible that they'd take a wide receiver. Um, I don't really know a whole t- a ton about him. What, what do you know about this guy, Grant? Um, well, he tested really well at his pro day at Stanford. Um, I believe he ran in the four fours. He's a bigger guy. He's like six two, um, two fifteen or two twenty, something like that. Um, and he runs really nice routes. Uh, he's mm-hmm. great on contested catches. And you know, we kind of lack we kind of lack that that skill set. We don't really have a we don't really have a contested catch guy um, at wide receiver. And you know, it kind of sounds crazy picking a wide receiver in the second round, but I think it makes a lot of sense because for one. Uh, Demarcus Robinson is going to be a free agent after this year. Uh, two, I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to be back on that $21 million cap hit next year. So um, he could be back. He could not. But either way, I think it's good to find some depth. And then who knows what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's in the final year of his yeah. rookie contract. And, you know, if they let him walk, then we're down to Byron Pringle and Gar- and Garrick Dieter as our two as two of our three starting wide receivers yeah and that's so, that's pretty pretty sketchy uh and I, I mean i like both of those guys but they're both pretty unproven at this point and you definitely want it's definitely never a bad idea to start keep getting weapons for mahomes so i think that taking him at third one wouldn't be wouldn't be terrible yeah and i think um i mean if if features passes any indication you know He's not. He doesn't shy away from surprises in the draft, and I yeah. think that he likes to draft for the future. Um, he doesn't draft on present need. And JJ Arcega Whiteside at 
pick 31 in the second round would be a would be a major steal. So, um, and then pick 28 in the third round, um, I have the Chiefs taking Jay Sternberger, the tight end from Texas A&M. Um, he kind of reminds me of, I mean, it's going to sound crazy, but he kind of reminds me of a baby baby Kelsey. Um, you know, he doesn't really like he doesn't like to block a lot. He's a little bit smaller than Kelsey. But the way he runs routes and um, the way he, I mean, he he's, has really nice hands and, you know, he's a, he's a physical guy um, at, the, at the catch. And I think he would be really nice alongside Kelsey. And, you know, maybe Kelsey can groom him into being his replacement, you know, ultimately. So um, I think Sternberger in the third round would be a nice addition. And I could also see an offensive lineman there as well. So. Yeah, and I think that we've been kind of missing that tight end too for quite a while. We have Kelsey, and uh, then we've we've had Harris, and uh, you know a few other guys. But I think definitely getting a solid number two is a good idea. Yeah, I agree on that. Um, and then moving on to well, we don't have a fourth round pick, so moving on to the fifth round pick, um, pick twenty nine. I have them taking uh, the offensive lineman Nate Davis from a small school. Um, UNC Charlotte Mm -hmm. and uh, Nate Davis is he's he's a really athletic offensive lineman Uh, he's played I believe he's played tackle and guard in college I actually believe he's played a little bit of center as well but um, the Chiefs you know could slide him into guard to compete um, with with Cameron Irving and uh, Andrew Wiley for the left guard position and you know he could even he could even slide in and maybe compete at center with um with Austin Reader for for the starting center position. Yeah, um and, you know, you always you always need some you need you have to get people to protect Mahomes. So we got yeah. he's kind of out of a small school. He uh I was reading I was kind of looking at him he says he's predicted to go in the third round. So if we could get him in the 5th, that'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, it'd be a steal. Um but basically, what I, when I'm reading about him is he says he can generate pop like any approach angle. He's really mm-hmm. has really good power, but he's really quick on his feet and his uh, frames like super strong. So and, you know, uh, just seems like an all good all around blocker. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, picking a guy from Charlotte kind of is a school like Charlotte is kind of Veach's mo. You know, um, he likes to draft you know, small school guys and um, under the radar guys that yeah. with a lot of potential that are a little bit underdeveloped that can sit there and, and uh, develop for a year or two before they become starters, you know, kind of like, kind of like they did with Duvernay Tardif. And I mean, that worked out okay. So yeah, the definitely. Chiefs are, the Chiefs are really good about picking, you know, offensive linemen at the end of the draft and, you know, grooming them into actually being something. So we'll see what happens with Khalil McKenzie because, you know, Veach and, Veach and the other guys have been really good about that. So, um, And then we have two picks in the sixth round. With the first one at pick 28, I have the Chiefs taking Darwin Thompson, the running back out of Utah State. He's very under the radar. I think he ran a 4-5 at his pro day. Um, and he's a little undersized. I think he's 5'10 or 5'11. He's under 200 pounds. Maybe right at 200, but, you know, he's... He's 190. yeah. Um, but he's really, really explosive. Um, you know, he's a he's a big play guy, and he's got nice hands uh, to go along with that as well. So, 
you know, we kind of lack, we kind of little lack a little change of pace back, um, in our, on our depth chart right now. We have, we have three guys that are like over 225 pounds. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, we throw a little guy like Darwin Thompson into the mix and, you know, he can be, I'm not going to say he can be, um, Alvin Kamara, but he can be the Alvin Kamara to, to the Mark Ingram, you know what I'm saying? To, yeah. with, Maybe with Carlos Hyde and, and Damian Wilson as well. So, yeah, it can, it can be kind of like this R scat back type guy. Yeah, um, he's really quick footed. Uh, he's the only pro- he's got he's got some problems with his with vision, but I think that I mean that that can be you know you can fit you can start fixing that. Uh, but it definitely would be nice to have someone that isn't a power back and just will be able to change direction really well and. Um, you know, get kick into second gear and get going down the field. Yeah, and I, from the film that I've watched, you know, he's really explosive. So um, if he gets by you, then it's pretty much over. So, um, and then moving on to the second pick, um, pick forty-one uh, in the in the sixth round, I have him taking Drew Tranquil, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, and uh, you know he played alongside Tavon Coney, and he's a little bit overshadowed. Um, he wasn't as, didn't look as aggressive as Coney on film, but come testing, he actually tested quite a bit better than Coney. Um, I believe he ran in the four fives, which is really nice for a guy that's, you know, six two two thirty eight or 40, something like that. And I think he can come in and, you know, he play, he can really fit at Will linebacker or, or Mike linebacker. So, you know, he can come in and compete with, you know, Hitchens at the middle linebacker spot or or compete with Dorian O'Daniel at the at the wool linebacker spot. Yeah, I think that we need to get some guys, some young linebackers in there, start getting some experience in there, get start getting some experience so they can uh so they can get some chemistry going on. I I'd be I really want to get our linebacker core. I want them to have to fight for a spot. I don't want them to just have just get have this have that spot and just feel like they don't have to work any hard because we we need our linebackers to step up. So if we get some young guys in there, push the older guys maybe to either get going or get out. So I think it'd be I think it'd be a nice pick. Yeah, and from the film that I watched on Tranquil, he kind of looked like the like Notre Dame had him on his heels a little bit. Um, he played a lot of coverage. Um, and he, he wasn't really the attacking linebacker that Coney was, but that could just be due to the scheme. And, you know, I think he could come in and be a nice fit at will linebacker for us. Um, and then moving on to the, to round seven, pick two, I have the chiefs drafting, uh, the interior defensive lineman, uh, defensive tackle. Most likely you could also play, you know, defensive end if he loses a little bit of weight, but I have him taking Byron Cowart, the lineman from Maryland, um he he was a major prospect and coming out of high school i think he was a five-star guy and i believe he went to florida i could be wrong on that and then ended up transferring to maryland um and he really underwhelmed but you know the skill set is there he's got he's got a nice um a nice build um he kind of reminds me of oh who was i thinking of um he's a little bit longer than Derek naughty but he kind of reminds me of Derek naughty um just the way he plays he's really really strong at the point of attack but he's he's got some work to do and i think 
I think if he can put it together and and the Brendan Daly can unlock some of that potential, I think he could be a a steal in the seventh round. Yeah, I haven't. Like you said, he's still pretty raw, but um, those players can, you know, either way they could either go they go both ways. They could they could just never you know, pan out, or they could become a stud and you could you look like a genius for picking them in the seventh round. What I do know about him is though is I've seen him Maryland play a few times they, uh, here at Iowa, and I I remember his name. I remember him making some plays that. Uh, I was like, oh, I you know I could I can recognize that name without even having to look him up. And if you're getting that with the second seventh rounder, then I think that's pretty that's a pretty good steal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, I mentioned Naughty, him being similar to Naughty. Um, you know, he's not he's not a big he's not a good pass rusher, um, but something about the way they play um, reminds me they're they're pretty similar in. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it just reminded me of watching Naughty's film, you know, after the Chiefs drafted him, and uh, so I think, I think Coward can come in, and he'd be a de- nice depth piece, and something for, for Daly to come in and develop, um, and now moving on to uh, the, the first round mock draft um, that we're gonna, we put together, last week we did this, and it didn't, we didn't include any trades just because we didn't want to make it complicated. But, you know, after we ran through one last week, we're, we're going to put a little, a few trades into this one and um, make it a little bit interesting for y'all. So, and of course, this is going to be the last podcast before the draft. Um, and then we'll, we'll drop another episode after the draft discussing the Chiefs picks and everything that happened on draft weekend. Um, so for this one, Ori's going to take the odd picks and then I'm going to take the even picks. So we're just switching it up from, from last week. So, okay. So the same as last week, we got the Cardinals taking Kyler Murray. They say they're sticking with Rosen, but I think we all know that they're going to take Murray. So, um, they need, they, Rosen hasn't played terrible, but he was not the guy that they were hoping he'd be I, I don't think I, I think that he still has a lot of potential but um yeah so they they're oh, I think it's kind of consensus that they're going to take Murray at number one so we got Carl taking Murray yeah and I think um you know they put out that video announcing the schedule and and Josh Rosen wasn't in it and they yeah. caught some, they caught some flack for it and so they put out a new video that included Josh Rosen so um I think Kingsbury's in love with Kyler Murray um and I think, I think he's a really nice fit there, and and I'm not really afraid of Kyler Murray's height. So, um, and then second pick, the San Francisco 49ers are going to take Joey or not Joey Bosa. I'm sorry, Nick Bosa, the defensive end from Ohio State. And I think Nick Bosa is the best player in this draft, but you know quarterbacks are kings. So, yeah. Um, Kyler Murray is going to go number one, and then and then the 49ers end up with the best player in the draft in Nick Bosa, and uh, you know they they have DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, um, so I think both of those guys will play on the inside, and then Bosa and D Ford will be on the outside, which would be maybe the best defensive line in the entire National Football League. It'd be a really nice group of four guys, four starters that um, you know it's just be stonewalled there and great pass rushers and you know i don't think d ford's a great 
a great run defender, but um, Nick Bosa can make up for some of that. So, yeah, definitely. I think that if you add him to that that core, it's going to be pretty scary. So moving on to the third, the we to the wow. Moving on to the third pick, that we're going to have our first trade. So the Bengals are going to trade up, and they're going to take Dwayne Haskins, uh, the cor- quarterback out of Ohio State. So they're going to get finally get uh, old boys replacement and get get uh, him probably pretty close to being done there in Cincinnati. Yeah, um, I mean. Andy Dalton is, I don't know how to say this nicely. Um, he's not the worst quarterback, but he's also not the best. So I think, I think they'll stick with Andy Dalton for this year, and then they'll they'll have Haskins, you know, sitting behind him. Um, Andy Dalton went down with an injury last year, and uh, so if that happens again, you know, Dwayne Haskins can definitely step in and and start. Um, but if not, you know, they can groom Dwayne Haskins a little bit and. Uh, you know, have him ready for the future, and which is the ideal situation in my opinion. I think Haskins, you know, he's only had one year of starting experience, so you know they give Haskins a year to develop under uh, under new head coach. Uh, who's their uh, Zach Taylor? That's the guy mm-hmm. from uh, from the Rams. So you know, Zach Taylor comes in. I'm sure he's going to want to develop his own quarterback because you know he he was the guy under McVeigh, and so. I don't know if the Bengals are going to trade up for Haskins, but I think the Bengals are going to draft a quarterback. Um, this one just made the most sense for them to trade up. Um, and then pick four, I have the Raiders drafting Josh Allen. Yes, they passed on Quinn and Williams to draft Josh Allen. Uh, I don't think either one is the wrong choice per se. I think Quinn and Williams is the better player, but um, the Raiders are in desperate need of, of an edge rusher after trading away. Um Khalil Mack so the Raiders draft Josh Allen here they get their edge rusher and then uh, they got two more picks so we'll see what happens there yeah I think it's, I, I agree that I would rather have um, Williams but I think that the Raiders have their own fits for their guys so I I, I never really know what they're going to do so I could see them taking Allen too uh, um, so then with the fifth pick we got they, the Buccaneers are going to take Quinn and Williams and so um, there'll probably be some discussions on you know which whatever one of those gets ends up being better if those two end up going back to back might like make the Raiders look silly but who knows maybe they maybe they could be right um, but yeah so the Buccaneers get a, a awesome uh, pass right a guy on defense they need some identity on defense i think he starts to give them that um you know match them up with a few other guys that they got some a few decent players over there on defense and get you know kind of start forming a plan for them yeah and i think they they've been talking about moving on from gerald mccoy so uh you know hard to call a guy a steal in the top five but quinnon williams at pick five would definitely be a steal and it allow them to move on gerald mccoy's contract um, and then moving on to pick six, I have the Giants drafting defensive end, edge rusher, defensive tackle, whatever you want to call him, uh, Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Uh, Rashawn Gary isn't, he's not exactly a finished product, um, but he has a ton of upside. And I'm not a huge fan of Gary, but 
I really think the Ra- or the Giants will uh, pass on drafting Locke or Jones here. Um, it picks six at least um, in favor of, of getting an edge rusher to replace Olivier Vernon. So uh, Gary at six to the Giants. Yeah, I, I could see that Gary picking them if they're not going to go for the quarterback uh, or if, you know, he's not there. If the way this has shaken out, if, he, if Haskins isn't there. Um, I think they wait a little bit and maybe go with Eli one more year and then uh, taking Gary is definitely a solid pick. Um, and I think that he kind of tightens up their defense a little bit, which is definitely a need. Uh, so then the, the, for the seventh pick, the Jaguars are going to take TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that pick for the Jaguars. They're adding, adding a guy for, for Foles to throw to. They don't have... A ton of good offensive weapons for Foles right there, but uh, Hawkins is definitely going to be a, um, a solid choice. I don't know. So personal opinion, I've got I've gone back and forth with Hawkinson and Fant, but uh, I think Hawkinson could fit the mold there that they've got going on in, in Jacksonville and become a solid target for Foles. Yeah, I mean, there I I wavered between. Uh, Hawkinson and Jawan Taylor here, um, but with Foles in place, I think the Jaguars are going to want immediate help for Foles um, in terms of pass catchers. So, I think Hawkinson's the guy personally. Um, and then moving on, I have the Lions drafting Montez Sweat at pick eight. Um, you know, Sweat has all the upside in the world. You know, he's he's a freak athlete, um, and the Lions the Lions really need edge rushers. Um, especially with with Ziggy Ansa likely on his way out, um, so the Lions grab Montez Sweat here. Despite you know there was rumors of a heart issue, um, and some teams you know taking them off, taking him off their board, but you know I don't, I don't think the Lions are that team. I think the Lions really need um, an edge rusher here, and I think I think Sweat is. Um, I personally am not this high on Sweat, but. Um, I think it's a good fit for the Lions, and I think they'll I think they'll take the risk on Sweat and um, instead of a guy like Cleveland Farrell or or Brian Burns. So yeah, so um, Sweat's definitely he was one of those guys that you know was crazy on at the at the pro day or the you know the combine, and uh, yeah, so he's definitely he definitely increased his draft stock doing by doing that. Uh, the Lions are going to add a, a good rusher. I think that he's going to be he could end up being one of the best rusher, uh, the best ones in this draft. And it'd be probably honestly, it's hard to say a steal at eight, but um, I, I could definitely see that see that playing out really well for them and him being the next. Mm, I don't know if I'd say the next Sue, but for the Lions, but the guy that kind of ultimately takes his spot. Um, then we're going to go to. Uh, the Bills, and they're going to take uh, Jawan Taylor. Uh, he uh, he he's going to be filling a need. One of the, one of the, he's going to be taking the position of uh, one of their biggest needs. I think the Bills um, they they feel like they've got their offense sort of where they're where they're trying to go, but uh, I think that he uh, is a de- is definitely a good addition to get both sides to go uh of the ball going well yeah definitely they'll so they're gonna draft Juwan taylor and they're gonna get 
get Josh Allen some protection there. And, uh, and, you know, he, you know, Josh Allen's not the greatest passer, but at least this will allow him to sit in the pocket a little bit and, you know, throw it around and use that, that big arm that he has. And hopefully he'll develop some accuracy and be a decent player for the bills. But at least with Juwan Taylor, he won't, won't be running for his life. Um, at pick 10, I have the Broncos drafting linebacker Devin white out of LSU and uh, it's hard. It's hard to let Devin White slide this far, but I, yeah. I really just don't see. I really just don't see him getting drafted anywhere else if he slides past the Raiders. It just doesn't make much sense. And so, you know, the Broncos get a guy that might end up being the biggest steal of the draft. That probably should have been a top five pick. So uh, the Broncos grab Devin White, the linebacker, out of LSU, and uh, they pass on a QB for now. Uh, that won't that won't sit behind Flacco. You know, Flacco said Flacco said QB is not a need, so we'll take a take his word for it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I don't, I think Devin White's going to be one of the best players in this draft. I think that he's going to be a guy you're hearing about for a long time. And if they were able, if they're able to get him at twelve, um, it, it'd be a, it'd be awesome for them. I'd think that. He's gonna. I think I, he could fall a little bit, uh, just because there's just because of the specific needs that the some of the other teams have that go before. But um, if there was a team that needed that needed, then he's the top the top guy for sure, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And I think I mean I would assume that you know the Broncos after losing Brandon Marshall um, that they have Devin White pretty high on their boards, and um, so yeah, Devin White to the Broncos at ten. Yep, and then so at, let's see here, at, then we go to uh, 13, no, or 11. 11 actually, sorry. Uh, the Jets are going to trade up and take Ed Oliver. Uh, the, the, trade the, back, they're, after the trade with the Bengals. Trade, sorry, trade back, uh, and they're going to take Ed Oliver, and they're going to um, they're going to get a defensive tackle. He's uh, really explosive uh, when he comes out of his stance. Uh, he's not the biggest guy, but uh, he has good good length, so that kind of makes up for, for it. Uh, he's really he's really athletic. He's which is pretty rare um, for a, for a, for a, for a DT. He's he's really quick. Um, he, he has can do a lot of different things off the off the snap. So I think that um, that'd be a solid pick for them. Yeah, and with with Greg Williams and. In New York, there, you know, they whenever he was with the Rams, he, they drafted Aaron Donald at pick thirteen, and um, you know, Ed Oliver's not Aaron Donald. I don't think he'll ever be Aaron Donald, but he has some of the same athletic traits. You know, he's an undersized defensive tackle, and uh, you know, I think Greg Williams wants to get one of those guys to to throw there on the inside, a guy that can play off the edge. He can play inside. You know, he's really versatile. You know, at two hundred and eighty pounds, so. Um, yeah, the Jets grab Ed Oliver, and I think he'll be a nice fit with Greg Williams. Even though they're playing the four three or the they're playing the three four this year, and then I think they'll switch the four three um, after this season. But um, Ed Oliver becomes an immediate starter for them and a guy for him to really work with. So um, with pick twelve, I have the Redskins trading up uh, with the Packers, um, and they're going to select Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri. So. Um, after the Chiefs traded Alex Smith to the Redskins, you know, he, he destroyed his leg. And then um, so the, the Redskins are stuck without a quarterback right now. Um, they're 
at the at the moment they're starting Case Keenum. I don't think that's gonna last. So um, the Redskins get Drew Locke. You know he's he's got all all the features you need in a quarterback. He's got a big arm. You know um, he shows ability to get out of the pocket and make plays. So uh, the Redskins get get Drew Locke there with uh, with Jake Gruden, uh, the younger Gruden. And, uh, you know, he, he sits there and hopefully he'll develop Drew Locke for more than half a season at least before they bench Case Keenum, but we'll see, so. Yeah, since it's Kirk Cousins, the Redskins have been, you know, they've been having some trouble at quarterback. They've had some trouble at quarterback for a while now, but um, getting Locke definitely seems like it's a pretty stable choice. Um, I think that, you know, obviously we're going to find out if he's ready and if he's NFL ready, but I think that um, he could definitely be what the Redskins are looking for for a quarterback and uh, hopefully their quarterback of the future. So then uh, at 13, we're going to, Miami is going to take Brian Burns, uh, an edge rusher out of, where is he from? Uh, from Florida, Florida State. State. Uh, he's actually, yeah, he's from Florida. He um, He's really quick off. Uh, quick getting off he has a really uh nice stride length and he's can he's just a mismatch a lot of times for for the for the offensive lineman um he can get really he can get into the backfield really quick and um i think that for the for miami they need somebody that can do that you know cameron wakes getting pretty old so they need to start getting some maybe match him up with cameron for a little bit and then uh, let him kind of take over his spot when he goes. Cameron Wakes in Tennessee. Oh, God, you're right. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> but yeah, but Guys, yeah. I, I, he's like forever. I can just picture him in a Miami jersey forever. I don't know why. Well, I mean, he just left Miami. So yeah, the, that I mean, Miami's in need of an edge rusher now. And, yeah. uh, you know, Brian Burns, he gets to stay in the state of Florida and, and play for Miami. And, you know, I think he'll be an immediate starter there. Um, he, he was playing really, really thin at Florida state, but you know, he'll come in and I think he, he bulked up to almost 250 pounds for the combine and, you know, he tested really well. So, um, I mean, the guy is athletic. He's, he's a little, a little underdeveloped, but you know, he'll come in and I think Brian Flores will coach him up and then, uh, they'll be good to go. So, um, moving on to pick 14, I have the Falcons drafting Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle out of Clemson. Um, right now they have Grady Jarrett franchise tagged. And um, another guy from Clemson, um, ironically enough. But um, if they get if they get Grady Jarrett tagged and then they slide Christian Wilkins in there next to him, you know, they'll have, they'll have a really nice uh, duo at, at the interior D-line. And then they have Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley on the outside. So... Um, that'll really help with their with their pass rush, um, and then hopefully they'll focus on the defensive backfield later in the draft. So I don't I just don't think I don't think there's anybody worth taking uh, a defensive back worth taking there at 14 right now. So yeah, I, for sure I think that they can wait a little bit for their for their DBs and stir up the the front line there. Um, they definitely to. Get some pass rushers. They've had trouble getting to the quarterback in the past, and I think that he'd help that. So then uh, going to the Packers, 
or they they're gonna there's another trade so the Packers are gonna take 15. Uh, they're gonna take come up to, they're gonna take Noah Fant um, out of Iowa. He's uh, one of the the wow Iowa has had had two good uh, tight ends so you can have to like I said we've talked about them which one's gonna be better. Uh, in my opinion, it's actually gonna be Fant. So uh, they get a big guy. They have Roger, you know, a target for Rogers, which is always necessary to have he's kind of um he just need they just need more weapons for him anytime you can get that um i think that fans gonna be he's basically a big wide receiver he can you know he can do everything he's not the best um not the best blocker so um they're definitely he's definitely gonna be used more um in the you know in the red zone and things like that so i think that they're it'd be a good fit for the for the packers yeah, so the Packers move out of pick twelve. Um, they slide back to pick fifteen, and you know I, I think I think they need a tight end. You know the Jimmy Graham experiment didn't work out very well, um, and they signed Mercedes Lewis in the off season, um, and I mean that's that's he's not the answer. Uh, but you know the Packers draft Noah Fant here. I think they could also go wide receiver um, to have a guy that takes Randall Cobb's spot and pairs up with. With uh, with um, DeAndre or what's his name? Devonte Adams. I'm sorry. Yeah, Devonte Adams. Uh, we're we are not on. We're, we're we're making some mistakes. <laughs> yeah, geez, what is going on? Anyway, yeah. So uh, the Packers take Noah Fant. You know, it gives gives Rodgers another big target to work with for for the next several several years until until Rodgers is Rodgers is done done with there in Green Bay. So. No offense, a nice pick there. I think he's a nice fit, and you know he can learn from Jimmy Graham a little bit, and um, hopefully, hopefully, um, Aaron Rodgers can utilize No offense athleticism and uh, turn him into a really nice pass catcher. But uh, at pick sixteen, I have the Panthers drafting uh, edge rusher Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson. Uh, you know, Cleveland Farrell is—he's definitely the last. Um, top pass rusher. Um, after Cleveland Farrell, it's quite a drop off um, in edge rushers. But um, the Panthers come up and uh, they land Cleveland Farrell here, and uh, they they fill a huge need at defensive end. I think I think they'd like to trade up and and get a guy like get a guy like uh, Brian Burns or um, I don't know Montez Sweat or Brian Burns would be. Would be a nice fit for them, but uh, they just don't. They they stick at sixteen and uh, they get their guy Cleveland Farrell, um, and he comes in and starts immediately for them. So, yeah, I agree. I think a good immediate starter. I think that the Panthers, uh, it's something that they they're looking for. Instead, if they're not going to get the the sweat or um, you know the burns or anything like that, then I think Farrell's definitely the top choice at sixteen. Um, 17. So for 17, the Giants are gonna are gonna take their quarterback. They're gonna take um, Daniel Jones. So I think that um, I think that he could in, end up being better than than Drew Locke. Uh, which, you know, some people don't agree with that. I think that he definitely has uh, the potential. He's got the arm. Uh, he can he can definitely um, sit behind. I guess he's gonna have to sit behind Eli for maybe one or two more years, and then. Um, you know, if, if he's not the answer, then they're going to have to figure out something else. But I think that, 
he could definitely be a, a starting quarterback in this in the league. And I think that the Giants, I could see him being good fit for the Giants. Yeah, and we're hearing some rumors that that uh, that Daniel Jones is the top quarterback on the Giants on the Giants uh, mm-hmm. draft board. So, you know, that's a little bit concerning, but um, it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the Giants, honestly. So uh, they grab Daniel Jones. Hopefully they'll sit him for a year or two, um, and then they'll move on from Manning. But, I mean, who really knows? So Yeah. Um, and then at pick 18, I have the Raiders trading up uh, and drafting Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan. Um, Devin Bush is an undersized linebacker, but um, he's athletic as it gets. Um, you know, he's 5'11", 230-something pounds, but – He'll come in and he'll fill a, a major need for for the Raiders. You know they have their current starting inside linebackers are are set to be Brandon Marshall and um, Vontez Perfect. So you know I don't think those I don't think either of those guys are are the answer. So the Raiders will grab Devin Bush here and you know that's he's also a steal at eighteen and as much as it hurts to to send a guy like Bush to the Raiders, you know. I think he'd be a nice fit with them, and and they grab Josh Allen and, at pick four, and then they get Devin Bush, and I think their their uh, front seven is is really bolstered with uh, with those two guys. Yeah, definitely. I think that, but I've been saying I think the Bush is going to be one of the best the best rushers in the from this draft, and I think that if you match him up with him and Josh Allen, it's going to that'd be pretty scary. Um, as, as much as I hate to say that, because I don't want the Raiders to have a scary defense, but um, I think it'd definitely be a solid pick for them. So then going into um, the 19th pick, the Titans are going to take uh, DK are going to take Metcalf. Um, I think everybody's seen the picture of him. He's a physical freak. He's huge. He, um, he has, he had pretty decent catching skills. Uh, he's going to, he's going to be a big guy that um, Mar- Mariota can throw to and, uh, whatever they need to get done, um, and uh, I think that they got to get some weapons over there. They're kind of a little bit behind at wide receiver. He's going to be a big guy that they can throw to, and um, yeah, I think he he's going to he should be. Um, it's going to be hard for him to live up to the hype after all this, but um, he should be a solid wide receiver for him. Yeah. So right now they have uh, oh what's it? Corey um... Corey Davis. Yeah, Corey Davis. So they drafted Corey Davis, and you know he hasn't he hasn't worked out like they they, they would have hoped. But um, yeah, so they'll have Corey Davis, and they just signed Adam Humphreys um, to play in the slot. So they stick DK Metcalf and and Corey Davis on the outside, and then they have Adam Humphreys on the inside. It'll be a really intriguing trio of wide receivers. Um, yeah, you know, with Corey Davis not having not. Uh, reached his full potential and and then Adam Humphreys is a nice a nice slot receiver that that played really well with with um uh Fitzmagic and and Jameis Winston last year so um hopefully they can get something out of DK Metcalf and he's he's the big play guy that that they really need there in Tennessee so anyway moving on to pick 20 I have the Steelers drafting Greedy Williams the cornerback out of LSU and you know they just signed Steven Nelson um yeah Steven Nelson 
don't know what's going on with that guy, but he's kind of <laughs> kept his mouth shut the past few days, which is good, I guess. But Steelers draft Greedy Williams, and they get another guy to go there on the outside um, to play cornerback. And, you know, he's kind of – he has some question marks, but he's got a ton of upside. And, you know, he's six one, six two, and, you know, he ran a 4-3. So um, I think – you know, they they drafted Artie Burns in the first round a few years ago, and he hasn't really worked out. So the Steelers are going to grab Greedy Williams here to pair with Steven Nelson on the outside uh, for now at least. And they're going to hope he, he develops into a guy that can ultimately start for them for a long time. Um, but like I said, he, he does have some work to do um, in coverage. He's really handsy, and uh, he's going to draw quite a bit of penalties, but um he's really he's really good in press coverage and at at the point of attack so um as long as the Steelers can refine his refine his game a little bit they're they're going to be really happy with Greedy Williams yeah I agree that they'd they'd be happy with him they're (laughs) him and uh Nelson on the on the same field are going to have they're going to try to compete for who gets more penalties that all year um they're gonna but yeah I think Greedy Williams would be a solid pick for them I think that um, you know, he's going to be probably one of the better wide receivers in the draft. He's not, I mean, he's physical, but he's not the biggest guy. Uh, so he, he that, that could be a little bit of a problem, but I think that, um, he's going to be a good ball hawk for him and, uh, he's not going to let me push him around or anything pretty scrappy. Uh, so after that, moving on to the Seahawks, they're going to take Nikhil Harris, um, out of, where is he? He is out Harris. of, yep. So out of there, so he's gonna go. Uh, he's gonna be a, a nice wide receiver for um, good old Russell Wilson to to throw to. He's he's really good at going up and con- getting contested catches, which is an, an upside. So if you know Wilson wants to throw one up there, he's gonna he, he's gonna come down most and go up and get it most of the time. He's not super explosive, but um, his you know his will to go up and go against anybody is gonna is definitely not something you can look past. So I think that'd be a, a solid pick for them to get another weapon for, for Wilson. Yeah. And I really like Nikhil Harry. He's got really good hands and uh, he shows some nice playmaking ability on film. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a huge, um, he wasn't a huge set there at Arizona state, but um, they didn't have a great quarterback either. Um, so Nikhil Harry, I think, I think he'll come in and he'll uh, develop quite a bit with Russell Wilson throwing to him and he'd be a nice compliment to Doug Baldwin, who's, who's getting older and likely on his way out pretty soon. So, um, and then at pick 22, I have the Ravens drafting Marquise Brown, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Um, he's dealt with some injuries. He had a list Franck injury, which is a, a foot fracture. And, um, <clears throat> you know, he's healed up from that. And there's talks that there's talks that Marquise Brown is really raising up some guys boards. And despite being, really really small i mean he's like 5'10 167 pounds so um but you know he's runs a 4-3 possibly a 4-2 nobody really knows but um, marquise brown will come in and he'll be a huge um deep threat um to play alongside uh lamar jackson and you know they're in huge need of of wide receivers right now they really don't have anyone to speak of there i think they have um willie sneed and a couple guys that they drafted last year. So 
Um, Marquise Brown will come in. He'll probably start immediately, and then you know give give Lamar Jackson a nice weapon to to play with. So. Yeah, I can see him coming to be kind of like a John Brown type guy. He's pretty small, uh, but he's a deep threat. I think that they definitely need to get some wide receivers, and he could end up being a steal. Uh, yeah, he is undersized, but I think that he can um, he can definitely make an impact for them. Give give uh, Jackson some weapons. Um, so we're going to go on. The Texans are going to take uh, Andre Dillard at twenty three. So getting some more protection for uh, Watson, which is they need to do because he had to run for run for his life half the time last year. Um, maybe keep him in the pocket. You know he likes to move around, but uh, giving him a clean pocket is definitely something that they're gonna they're gonna want to have. He's a big dude. He um, it's just I think he's over like three 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 oh six is what I think they have him listed at. Um, he's gonna you know keep uh, Watson clean. Yeah, so I think I actually personally believe that Andre Dillard is the best. Uh, pure plat- pass protector uh, in the draft this year. Um, there are some questions about his strength uh, at at the point of attack, and um, but I think he'll come in and he'll play left tackle and he'll really uh, keep keep Deshaun Watson at least cleaner than he is right now. So you know he's been running for his life his first couple years in the NFL, and um, you know he tore his ACL. So uh, they can keep him. They really need to keep him healthy and. Uh, protect that investment so uh, they'll do that with Andre Dillard Um, and then at pick 24 um, after the Vikings traded back uh, after the Raiders traded up for Devin Bush I have the Vikings drafting Jonah Williams Uh, the Vikings have been in major need of offensive line help for a while now and uh, they'll draft Jonah Williams here the offensive tackle out of Alabama and there's talks about his his arms being a little short, but honestly, I don't really care. Um, he he was really good on film for the most part, and uh, he'll come in and he'll start immediately at left tackle for the Vikings, and you know he'll give he'll give Kirk Cousins some protection, and um, hopefully they'll be able to get the full potential out of that offense that that they expected whenever they signed Cousins. Um, they just signed uh, Adam Thielen to a to a big extension, and they signed. Um, Stephon Diggs to a big extension a couple or last year I believe, so um, they'll they'll protect Kirk Cousins so that he can throw to those two guys and you know be the explosive offense that they expected to be. Yeah, I think bringing him in and getting some protection for for Cousins is important. Cousins definitely needs a clean pocket to throw from. That's when he's most most effective. He um, has he has the weapons to throw to. He just needs some. He needs a little more time to throw it, um, given them. Put, putting Williams in there is definitely going to help that. So then kind of moving on to the same thing, we got Cody Ford. At the Eagles are going to take Cody Ford, uh, guard out of Oklahoma. So he's going to he's going to come in and um, be that's basically the same thing, but for, for Wentz. Um, you know, Wentz moves around a little bit, but um, coming off the injury and stuff, you want to keep him. You don't want to have him go down again. You don't have... Um, that great backup anymore. Uh, so you definitely want to want to keep it. He did the defenders away from him, especially when you got um, Lawrence coming at him probably two times a year uh, or, and you know, those, that, that division's pretty, pretty sketchy for that. Uh, you want to definitely want to keep uh, Wentz safe because he's the future for you guys. Yeah. And 
And on on Cody Ford, um, you know, they have Lane Johnson at right tackle, and they have all pro Jason Peters at left tackle. But I think, you know, Jason Peters is probably going to be done here in a year or two. Um, and he's been he's been off and on with injuries. So um, Cody Ford is really coming in. He's going to be an insurance policy for a year or two. And then he's he's ultimately the plan would be for him to take over at left tackle for Jason Peters whenever he retires and, and protect Carson Wentz for the foreseeable future. Um, and then at pick 28, we have the Colts drafting A.J. Brown, the wide receiver, the other wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Um, and I actually like A.J. Brown better than D.K. Metcalf, personally. Um, I think he's a more developed wide receiver, and he's basically a running back in a – or he's a wide receiver in a running back's body, and he'll be a nice compliment to uh, T.Y. Hilton there and, and give give Andrew Luck another big weapon to play with. So, yeah, A.J. Brown to the Colts, and uh, and that offense gets a little bit more explosive. Yeah, definitely. Put given luck, any amount of weapons is going to be good. Um, the Colts are going to. I think the Colts are going to be pretty good this year. Uh, definitely, if that offense gets going and that and their defense can play decently well, then they're they're going to be set. Uh, so moving on to twenty seven for the Raiders, uh, they're getting DeAndre Baker, who I think could be the best, um, end up being the best cornerback uh, in the draft. Um, I'd love it if he fell to the Chiefs, but. And I hate to see him go to the Raiders because that's now Bush, Allen, and Baker to the Raiders. Um, it's that would that would that would be a huge get for them. Um, I think Baker's going to be really good. I think he's really physical. He's one of the bigger corners, and uh, I think that he's going to probably end up being the best in the draft. So they'd get a, a steal at twenty-seven with Baker. Yeah, with uh, you know the Raiders grab Josh Allen, he'll be their edge, their primary edge rusher, um, and then they'll have Devin Bush, who will slide in there and play inside linebacker for them. And uh, Devin Bush is really good in coverage, and he's also shown some really nice uh, pass rush skills. Um, so you know they got those two guys, and then they'll bring in DeAndre Baker, and you know that probably gives them three three immediate starters, which is kind of which is kind of scary but um i mean they definitely need it so um moving on to pick 28 i have the chargers drafting jerry tillery um the defensive tackle out of notre dame and tillery might be the best pure pass rusher or pass rushing interior defensive lineman in the draft um he's really got some issues against against the run um but he's also i think he can add some really add some bulk to his frame and uh, you know, he'll hold up against the run a little bit better, but he'll come in and he'll probably start immediately. Um, they're really, really thin there at interior defensive line and um, Tillery will really give them some explosive um, pass rushing off from, from the inside, allow Bosa and um, uh, Melvin Ingram to uh, avoid some double teams there on the outside as well. So, Chargers take Jerry Tillery at 28. All right, so then going on to the Chiefs, uh, we're taking Byron Murphy again. Um, I think that that's probably how it's going to end up playing out. I mean, I'm not not 100% sure. I guess the Raiders could take Murphy if they see something that, um, you know, they didn't want Baker. Uh, I think Murphy's going to be definitely a a solid guy. I, I like corners that come, you know, come out of there. 
Uh, I think that he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to be a stud. I think that um, I struggle with picking him over Baker, but um, I, I, I nonetheless, I think that he's going to be a, a solid, a solid guy. And I think he'll start right away as well. Um, since we have, you know, not the best depth at cornerback. So I think he'd come in and make an immediate impact. Yeah. Um, Murphy would start immediately at corner and, um, you know, it kind of sets up perfectly because, you know, we discussed, uh, whenever we did the chief seven round mock draft, just prior to doing this, we discussed the chiefs taking Byron Murphy and, um, that was kind of the plan, but, you know, Byron Murphy will come in, he'll be an immediate starter, and uh, he'll really fill a, fill a major hole and add some some really good um, talent to to the cornerback position. You know, right now they have Breland, um, Bashad Breland, uh, Travarius Ward, and, and Kendall Fuller there at corner, along with a couple other guys, but those are the top three. And, you know, the, they don't have a guy that really I prefer that, uh, Fuller can stay on the inside there, um, and then you can get a guy like Murphy, Murphy, and then Breland to, to play on the outside. Um, so that'd be ideal. And the Chiefs, you know, they end up with a really, really nice corner who who might slide a little bit due to his uh, lack of athleticism and testing drills. So mm-hmm. um, at pick thirty, I have the Packers taking offensive tackle, um, or really offensive lineman. He can play guard as well. Caleb McGarry. Um, he's out of Washington and this is a guy that's really rising up some draft boards and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go in the top 20, but, um, the Packers, you know, they have, they have some nice offensive tackles and David Bakhtieri and, and, uh, Brian Bulaga right now, but, um, Caleb McGarry can come in and he can, he can play guard, uh, to start and then he can slide out to tackle, um, whenever Bulaga, uh, or Bakhtiari leaving free agency. So um, McGarry comes in and, you know, he should be an immediate starter and, and keep keep uh, Rodgers cleaner than he's been over the past couple years. Yeah, I think that it's, it would be no surprise at 30 getting someone to, to keep Rodgers steady, especially if they're going to take, if we have him taking Fant at 15, um, they need some time to throw, get to be able to throw those guys. Um, without Rodgers having to scramble around, even though that's what he's good at. Um, so then going on to the 31st pick, the Rams are going to take Garrett Bradbury. And um, I know you, Grant, were pretty high on him, or I think you still are pretty high on him. So yeah. getting him at 31 would probably be a, a would be really good. Um, getting another guy to protect your quarterback, which um, we definitely need. He needs a, a, a clean pocket to throw from. So I think that, like you you have mentioned previously in the past, he might be one of the best ones to get. Uh, and uh, so getting him going to the Rams would, would make a lot of sense, giving them time to get to their uh, wide receivers. Yeah, and uh, the Rams could really use a guard and a um, center right now. Um, so Bradbury, you know, he can come in and compete for the starting center position, or he can slide over and play the left guard position. Um, it really just depends where they see him as a fit, but he's pretty versatile and he can play either spot at a very high level. So I like that pick for the Rams there with uh, Garrett Bradbury and that'd be fantastic value. Um, and then finally at pick 32, we have the Patriots selecting Irv Smith jr. The tight end out of Alabama. Um, 
you know, this might be a little bit of a reach, but you know, the, the Patriots have never strayed away from going or from taking guy that they like, um, especially considering, you know, you know, they might trade back for a guy like Irv Smith, um, and take him in the second round, but, um, you know, he, he won't be around much longer. Um, he'll probably be a top, top 40 or top 45 pick. So the Patriots are going to take him here at pick 32. Um, and they get their eventual replacement for, um, Rob Gronkowski. And, you know, he's not Rob Gronkowski. He's a, he's a different type of, different type of tight end, but, uh, with, with Hawkinson and Fant off the board, you know, they get the, they get the next best guy in, in Irv Smith Jr. And, um, he'll, he'll play alongside Austin Safarian Jenkins, who they just picked up and hopefully he'll develop into a nice, uh, receiving option for Tom Brady in his last few years. So Irv Smith Jr. to close out the first day of the draft. And then, uh, they move on to move on to the second day. So, Anyway, you know, that took a while. That was a little laborious, but... Um, it was very long. Yeah, um, but, you know, it's it's a good to to do things like this, and who knows, maybe we'll get all 32 picks right this year. That never happened, but... No. Um, yeah, so, anyway, um, we're going to move on to a, to a couple more things before we wrap it up here. Uh, really quick, it's been... It's been said that the Frank Clark trade talks are heating up and that the Chiefs are still lurking around on Jadavion Clowney. And the fact that, I mean, you know, where there's smoke, that there, there's fire most of the time. And um, I keep hearing Chiefs and Clark, Chiefs and Clark. And eventually I think it's, I think something's got to give. And, you know, the Seahawks have kind of said that they want to bring Clark back, but the Chiefs also said that about D Ford. So, I'm not really buying it. I don't think they can afford to keep Clark, but that's my personal opinion. I think they'd rather keep Jaron Reed and Bobby Wagner for the future. Um, and I think they're prepared to move on from Clark. And I, I think something something's going to go down on either Clark or Clowney in, over the next week before the draft starts. So, Yeah, and whether it ends up happening or not, it's definitely there's definitely something going on. There, There's... Like we've had in the past, but you know, with Earl Thomas, we kept hearing, oh, maybe Earl Thomas goes to Chiefs. Earl Thomas might go to Chiefs, but then, you know, obviously didn't pan out. The Ravens got came up and got him. But um, just because, just even if it doesn't happen, doesn't mean that they're they weren't in the hunt for him. You know, he's got a. Uh, but for both of them, honestly, like you know, if we're hearing things about it, there's probably, you know, so you have to take into with a grain of salt. But uh, I would not be surprised if one of the, one of those things happened. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think, you know, we've kind of discussed this, and I don't think a edge rusher is going to fall to 29 that the Chiefs like enough to draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, once they get to pick 61 and 63, I don't think there's going to be a guy there that, that they love either. Um, at least not enough that a guy that's going to be an immediate starter like Clark. And, you know, the Chiefs can afford Clark for the next three years, um, and then they can structure his deal in such a way that allows them to move on from that pick. Uh, or uh, move on from that contract um, before they before they extend Mahomes if they if they need to they might not need to release Clark maybe you know Veach Veach finds a way to keep everybody who knows but um, <laughs> you know I think he'd come in and he'd be an immediate starter and he'd really give the Chiefs some some draft flexibility so same thing with Clowney but you know I think Clark would be a, a little bit cheaper in terms of contract and trade compensation personally so. 
Mm-hmm. So then going on to number five, uh, updates on Tyreek Hill. Uh, there's not a whole ton, a whole lot, but there there was that it was reported that Tyreek um, temporarily lost custody or didn't have his wasn't allowed to be with his kid for a while um, during this court process that's going on. Um, you know, everything is kind of it's the whole thing is kind of confusing because nobody really knows exactly what's even happened yet. So I can't not going to really say that I know exactly what's going on, but that that's kind of the newest news. Yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting because I actually tweeted from Arrowhead Live that uh, Tyreek Hill had a hearing um, scheduled, and there were some people, you know, questioning that, and they didn't believe us, but ultimately it happened. And that's because I've been discussing some with someone that is close to the situation, and, uh, you know, their information has actually come out to be has has been correct um overall and one thing that that person told me is that this is a thing that's not being reported anywhere but crystal espinal which is tyree kill's fiance is native american and thus zev tyree kill's son is also native american and there's an a legal process called the um indian child welfare act that um, in situations like these, it's basically extra precaution that will stop the state from removing Zev from custody of Crystal to prevent the family from being, these Native American families from being separated. And uh, it sounds crazy, but I promise you, look it up, the ICWA, and uh, it'll tell you everything you need to know. And it's actually interesting because the same person told me that Zeb is actually in the custody of Tyreek Hill's landlord. So you you ask yourself why why would why would they place Tyreek or Zeb in the custody of Tyreek Hill's landlord? Well, it's because the landlord owns the property that Tyreek Hill is living in. So I think you can put the pieces together from there. You know, it yeah. allows it allows them to continue to see their son um, right. while this process is going on, but. Um, I've also been told that the temporary custody uh, change is is only for 72 hours. Um, so, it, you know, that's three days. So it should be, he should be back in the custody of, of uh, Tyreek and, and Crystal. But um, who knows? I, I personally think people are really overreacting to this. I think everybody, I think they just need to let everything play out. And, you know, like we've said, you know, Tyreek Hill is guilty of this. He needs to be banned from the league forever. That's my personal opinion. He made a mistake once by uh, by the issue with with his girlfriend, and then you know if he if he carries that on and and you know hurts his son, I I don't approve of that. But I also think Tyree Kill needs needs a chance to be to be proven innocent. That's that's what the court of law is for. And, uh, you know, I think I think he deserves that. I don't think he deserves to be, you know. Uh, accused of accused of these things and considered guilty by all these people um i mean his reputation is basically ruined now no matter what and yeah he's never going to get that back so um as if the first situation that he had with his with his girlfriend is not enough now he's got now he's a child ble- a child beater according to half the nfl fans 
And I I don't know. I just think that's ridiculous. I think people really, you know, overreacted to this and they need to let everything play out and they need to let the lawyers and, and the judge and everybody just do their job and, and let, you know, Tyreek Hill and his family deal with this. Yeah. So moving on to number six on our list of topics, we got, um, this is basically it's around the NFL. So first one is kind of the dysfunction that's going on with the Raiders. Um, they're they sent their scouts home for the weekend, uh, kind of proving that there's not a whole lot of trust of what, what's being said, what's going on around there and who's, who's going to be taken. So just classic Raiders things going on. Uh, it's hard to understand the things that they do over there a lot of the time. So they've got they've got that going on. Do you have any other anything else to say about that? Yeah. So they said uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport that reported it initially, but he said that um, that the Raiders sent that Mayock and Gruden sent all their scouts home, and that they don't expect them to be back for the draft. Yeah. Which is odd because usually. I mean, they normally staffs usually send home their their scouts and everyone um, for the for the week, and then they bring them back um, for the act for actual draft day. You know, because these guys put together the whole board. But you know, Rappaport said that those guys that Mayock and, and Gruden have lost trust in their scouts, and and they they don't know who to trust. And I don't know, that's just crazy to me. But um, I guess we'll we'll hear more and. We'll see how the Raiders, how the Raiders, go about this draft process. And you know they have three first-round picks. They sold the farm, you know they sold Amari Cooper and, and Khalil Mack, and and now they, they're at risk of, of wasting all of it. But we'll see. And then, um, Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, the uh, the president, of the Jaguars, you know he went public in saying that, um everybody should be there for voluntary workouts and that has not garnered the best reaction because of course the voluntary, the workouts are voluntary and they don't have to be there. But at the same time, I can understand what he's saying, especially with a guy like Jalen Ramsey, because Jalen Ramsey is supposed to be a leader. He's supposed to set an example for the young guys and him not being there shows that the young guys don't need to be there either. And uh, if you look at um, the rest of the teams and stuff, the big the leaders are are usually there and um you know they're helping guide the young players and you know develop a work ethic with this with those guys but at the same time um i mean they're voluntary so they don't have to be there i mean i know tom brady didn't show up for the patriots voluntary workouts so i mean i don't i don't think it's that big of a deal i think tom coughlin's overreacting a little bit but you know i can kind of understand where he's coming from but i don't i don't think it's necessary I mean, yeah, the word voluntary means that they don't have to do it. So they're yes, while you would want them to want to be there, you can't really get mad at them for not being there. I mean, and you can, but it's just kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, and Ramsey said he's gonna he's put out a tweet that he's gonna be he's gonna be there when he needs to be there, be there when he's ready. Um, so you know, and it's not really the best look for Ramsey, but it's also not the best look for Coughlin being having going back and forth with his with the players and stuff like that. So yeah, there's that. So it's you gotta take it whichever way you want to go with it. I can see both yeah. sides. Yeah, and then uh, 
Lastly, just to wrap things up, uh, there's some talk about the Robert Kraft video being potentially being sold um, on the black market. Um, so if that video came out, would you watch it? And why would you watch it? Uh, I don't know that I would. I, I don't know. I, I I might watch it, but just just. It's just because one of those things you you it's so bad you can't like look away, uh, like you we talked about this earlier. You said you probably, right. probably show everything, but uh, I don't know. I know it'd be pretty gross. I don't think that uh, I don't think Belichick's in the best uh, physical fitness, so I don't no. know about that. It'd be it'd be a pretty uh, pretty cringy video. Yeah, I mean, Kraft is what he's like in his eighties, I think. But um, you know, I don't. It's not. I don't. I don't think it's gonna show anything. It's not like. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna get like up close and personal. I'm sure it was just like a security camera or something. But you know, they're trying to keep it out of the public, and I don't. Ultimately, I don't think that's gonna happen. But um, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be pretty interesting. You know, they've been talking about it on pretty much every. Every sports media outlet, that exists, and you know, pretty much everybody's saying like. I, I don't want to watch it, but I don't see how I cannot watch it. Like, yeah. I don't know, but it sounds ridiculous, but um, it's definitely going to be interesting if, if it does get released. So anyway, that about wraps it up for us uh, for episode eight. It's a pretty long episode, so I hope you stuck with us through all of that. You know, we went through an entire first round mock draft and then a seven round full seven round draft for the